Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. If it wasn't for Andrew's teachings, I would never be where I am today. I would never have victory. I would be living a life of defeat. It was Andrew's teaching that allowed me to develop that faith. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Tuesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today is my fourth week of teaching on this from this new book entitled More Grace, More Favor. I'm going to make this coming Friday the end of this teaching. I could probably go way beyond that, but uh, this will be the end of my fourth week on Friday. And so Friday will be our last day to offer this brand new book. We also have the CDs, the DVDs. And if you request either the book, the CD, or the DVDs, you can also request this self-centeredness uh, pamphlet uh, free of charge. And this is really powerful. So I've been teaching on uh, humility primarily because it says in James chapter 4, verse 6, but God giveth more grace. Wherefore, it said that he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I've also used the scriptures out of 1 Peter chapter 5, which say the same thing. It's just in a little different way. So the way to get more grace is to humble yourself. And so I've been teaching on humility and I've countered a lot of things. There's so much misunderstanding about what humility is. They see that as being something that's weak and that's not what it is at all. They see humility as having low self-esteem. That's not what humility is at all. Jesus was humble, meek and lowly of heart. Jesus humbled himself before God. And it wasn't because there was any inadequacy or any negative thing in him at all. Humility, I've been defining humility in lots of different ways. It's obedience to God. It's exalting God. It's giving credit to God instead of taking credit to yourself. It's being thankful. I've talked about all of these things. And what I want to do today is to start talking about that if you understand what true humility is and you humble yourself, it will make a difference in the way you judge things and people. It will affect your interactions with other people if you're operating in humility. Let me share these verses with you out of Matthew chapter 7. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Boy, those are powerful passages. And you know, these verses have been used, and some people will say, see, you aren't supposed to judge. That is not what this says. Matter of fact, it says right down here, it says, first cast the beam out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to cast the mote out of your brother's eye. This isn't telling you not to judge. It's saying to be careful with your judgment because the way you judge is the way you will be judged. He will show mercy on those that have shown mercy, but those that have shown no mercy shall receive no mercy. And let me just share with you some scriptures 
here where it's commanded that we should judge. In Luke chapter 12 and in verse 56, it says, Ye hypocrites, this is Jesus speaking. He says, You hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern the signs of the time? Yea, and why even of your own selves judge ye not what is right? Jesus right there said that we are supposed to judge what is right. And if you look in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 2, there were two of the different churches that the Lord judged the pastor of the church because he says, you have not judged Jezebel and you haven't dealt with these situations. And because of that, God was bringing judgment upon them. And then in John chapter 7 and in verse uh, 24, the scripture says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. That was Jesus speaking. And I could go on and give you other examples, but the scripture says that we, we are supposed to judge. We are supposed to, matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the, they had a man in the church who had committed incest with his father's wife. It wasn't his mother, but it was a stepmother. And the Lord, and uh, Paul told the church, he says, you should have judged this person. And even though I'm not present, I have judged already that he that has done this thing, you should turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his uh, spirit should be saved in the day of the Lord. And so there's many scriptures that talk about we are supposed to judge. People were rebuked for not judging. So it's, this is a total misapplication of these scriptures to say that you aren't supposed to judge. You know, you have to make judgments all the time. When the light turns, or you have to make a judgment. Am I going to go through this intersection? Do I have time or do I have to stop? That's a judgment. You sit there and you, you need to judge people all of the time. You know, I've got over 600 employees and I'm not the one that hires everybody directly, but the people that I do hire and stuff, I make judgments. Is this the right person for the job? Uh, should I put this person into leadership? Should I not? I have to make judgments all the time about what does God want me to do? So anyway, I'm just trying to destroy the misunderstanding about this that some people think that we aren't supposed to judge anything. You need to judge. You know, if you're out walking at night and if you see a group of people coming towards you and they're all wearing hoodies and they've got chains and, and belts and and batons and things like this. Some people say, when I don't judge them, you don't know what's going on. It's true. I'm not going to judge them to the point of condemnation and say that these are evil people. I don't know what's in their heart, but I am going to make a judgment that it would be best for me to turn and go another way. If it's late at night and if I see a whole gang of people coming that are looking like a certain way, it's just a good judgment to head the other direction, to take some precautions and things like that. But Here's where humility comes in. Humility has to make judgments, but you don't know why people do what they do. And if you look at something and evaluate it only from your perspective, you impose upon these people your own judgment about why they did what they did. See, that's where it's wrong. That's where you're making a mistake. You can't always tell why a person does things. Let me give you this example. I had a woman come up to me one time and she came to me and I was at a visiting, I was visiting at a church and ministering there. And she came up to me and she said, the pastor of this church 
His, he, he treated me terrible. I said hi to him and he didn't even acknowledge me. He just walked right on by and acted like I wasn't there. And so she came up to me and says, that's wrong. He shouldn't have done that to me. Now, see, that is a wrong type of judgment. Now, it may be accurate that she said hi to the pastor and he didn't say hi back to her, but she doesn't know why he did what he did. Did you know lots of times you don't even know why you do what you do? You make mistakes and sometimes you say and do things that you think, why in the world did I ever say or do that? And for you to sit here and judge other people why they did what they did, that's the type of judgment that the Lord is talking against right here. Now, it would have been appropriate for this woman to go up to the pastor and say, Pastor, I said hi to you and you didn't say hi back to me. Is something wrong? Have I done anything wrong? Is there a problem? Now, see, that would be appropriate. It's not like you have to just act like nobody ever treats you badly. People treat you bad all of the time, but you don't know why they do what they do. And if you claim to and you sit there and say, well, it's because this person has just, you know, they hate me or something. Here, here's another example. I went to Kansas City and held meetings there twice a month for, I don't know, many, many years. And we developed a large crowd of people that came. And there was this one couple that they were always at my meetings and they would come an hour or two hours early so that they could get the front row seat. They were always on the front row. They were always at my meeting and you could just count on it. Well, like I said, I went there twice a year for two for many, many years. And anyway, the last time I was there, I called this couple out and I prophesied over them and I gave them some specifics. I mean, things that couldn't, you know, it wasn't a general prophecy that was going to come to pass or that you could interpret it to make it mean many things. It was really specific. And I remember when I gave it, I thought, man, this is either God or I totally missed it because there's no way that this is a generic prophecy. So anyway, I gave them that prophecy. And then the next time I came back, they weren't there. They weren't on the front row. And you know what I did? I immediately judged why they weren't there. And I said, it's because of that prophecy I gave them. It was so specific. Maybe something didn't come to pass exactly the way I said. And I began to start thinking, these people probably have rejected me. That's the reason they aren't here. They've probably been telling people I'm a false prophet. They've probably spoken things about me. And anyway, it bothered me all night. The next day, I thought about it all day long. And I mean, I just kept thinking about things that they might be saying about me. And it got to a place to where I was so agitated over what I thought they were doing that if I had seen them, I mean, I was just ready to rebuke them and to say something to them. And so that night, the second night of the meeting, they were there on the very front row. They were back in their place and they came up to me and they said, we are so sorry we missed last night. We had a death in the family. Otherwise, we'd have never missed and everything was fine with them. And the prophecy that I'd given them came to pass. Everything was fine. But see what I was doing, I was judging why they did what they did. I noticed they weren't there. There's nothing wrong with me noticing that. But to impute unto them why they weren't there, that's judging. That, and that is based on pride. That was based on me just speculating and doing my own thing. 
YOU KNOW, ONE OF THE QUALIFICATIONS OF AN ELDER IN 1 TIMOTHY CHAPTER 3, IT SAYS THAT YOU HAVE TO BE SOBER. AND SOBER MEANS A LOT OF DIFFERENT THINGS. IT'S NOT ONLY TALKING ABOUT NOT BEING DRUNK. IT'S TALKING ABOUT BEING SERIOUS, THAT YOU NEED TO BE FOCUSED. AND IF YOU CONTINUE TO STUDY THAT WORD, AS I STUDIED THAT WORD, ONE OF THE DEFINITIONS THERE THAT WAS ASSOCIATED WITH THAT WAS TO BE VOID OF SPECULATIVE IMAGINATION. IN OTHER WORDS, I CAN TELL THAT A PERSON MAY NOT COME TO MY MEETING, BUT I DON'T KNOW WHY THEY DIDN'T COME TO MY MEETING. AND FOR ME TO SPECULATE AND TO ASSOCIATE IT WITH THE FACT THAT I HAD GIVEN THEM A PROPHECY AND THAT PROBABLY NOT EVERYTHING CAME TO PASS AND THEY WERE NOW SAYING I WAS A FALSE PROPHET AND ME GETTING MAD AND THINKING ABOUT ALL THE THINGS I'D SAY TO THEM, THAT'S ALL SPECULATIVE IMAGINATION. AND IT WAS UNFOUNDED. AND I CAUSED MYSELF A LOT OF GRIEF AND SORROW BECAUSE I WAS SPECULATING ABOUT WHY PEOPLE DID WHAT THEY DID. SEE, YOU DON'T KNOW THAT. YOU you CAN... A PERSON MAY SAY SOMETHING TO YOU THAT HITS YOU THE WRONG WAY. IT'S NOT WRONG FOR YOU TO GO TO THEM AND TO SAY, YOU KNOW WHAT YOU SAID OFFENDED ME, BUT I DON'T KNOW WHY YOU SAID IT. AM I MISUNDERSTANDING SOMETHING? IF YOU WERE TO APPROACH IT THAT WAY, DID YOU KNOW THAT THE VAST MAJORITY OF THE CASES, I THINK WE TAKE AN OFFENSE WHERE NONE IS INTENDED. I KNOW THAT I'VE DONE THAT TO PEOPLE. I'VE SAID SOMETHING IN JEST, JUST JOKING WITH THE PERSON, AND THEY GOT OFFENDED OVER IT. AND I DIDN'T MEAN ANYTHING BY IT AT ALL. AND when, WHEN I FOUND OUT THAT I HAD OFFENDED THEM, MAN, I REPENT AND ASK FORGIVENESS AND THINGS LIKE THAT. SO THERE ARE TIMES THAT ALL OF US JUST SAY OR DO SOMETHING THAT'S INAPPROPRIATE AND WE DON'T MEAN ANYTHING BY IT. IT'S JUST OUR FLESH. IT'S JUST FALLEN HUMAN NATURE. AND SO PEOPLE WILL SAY AND DO THINGS TO YOU, AND IT'S NOT WRONG FOR YOU TO SAY THAT WHAT YOU SAID BOTHERED ME, BUT IT IS WRONG FOR YOU TO SAY THE REASON YOU SAID IT IS BECAUSE YOU HATE ME AND BECAUSE YOU'VE DONE THIS. YOU DON'T KNOW WHY PEOPLE SAY WHAT THEY SAY. YOU KNOW, I WAS DEALING WITH A COUPLE ONE TIME THAT CAME IN FOR COUNSELING, AND THEY WERE HAVING MARITAL PROBLEMS, AND THE WOMAN WAS TALKING ABOUT THE MAN AND HOW HE DIDN'T SHOW ANY AFFECTION TOWARDS HER. AND HE DIDN'T DO THIS, AND HE DIDN'T DO THAT. AND EVERYTHING SHE WAS SAYING, HE ADMITTED HE HADN'T DONE. BUT THE PROBLEM WAS THAT SHE WAS SAYING, THE REASON HE HASN'T DONE THIS IS BECAUSE HE DOESN'T LOVE ME, BECAUSE HE HATES ME, AND STUFF. AND I WAS SITTING THERE LISTENING TO THIS, AND THE LORD JUST GAVE A WORD TO ME, AND I SPOKE TO HER, AND I SAID, YOU KNOW WHAT? THE REASON YOUR HUSBAND ISN'T AFFECTIONATE AND ISN'T DOING THESE THINGS IS BECAUSE HE CAN'T GIVE AWAY WHAT HE DOESN'T HAVE. I SAID, IT'S NOT THAT HE DOESN'T LOVE YOU, BUT HE'S NEVER BEEN LOVED. HE DOESN'T KNOW HOW TO SHOW LOVE. HE NEEDS A REVELATION OF GOD'S LOVE. AND WHEN I BROUGHT THIS OUT, THE MAN STARTED CRYING, AND I MEAN, THE WIFE SAW THAT, YES, HE WASN'T THE PERSON THAT SHE WANTED HIM TO BE, BUT IT WASN'T BECAUSE HE HATED HER. IT WAS BECAUSE OF HIS OWN uh, THINGS THAT HE HAD BEEN THROUGH. HE HAD BEEN ABUSED. HE HAD BEEN TREATED TERRIBLY. AND YOU JUST CAN'T GIVE AWAY WHAT YOU DON'T HAVE. SO SEE, SHE WAS CORRECT IN ACKNOWLEDGING THAT THERE WAS THINGS IN THEIR MARRIAGE THAT WAS WRONG, BUT TO JUST ATTRIBUTE ANGER AND MEANNESS AND MALICE TO HIM, THAT WASN'T THE CASE. IT WAS BECAUSE HE DIDN'T KNOW HOW TO LOVE. AND SO SHE... I I STARTED SHARING WITH HER. I SAID, YOU'RE THE ONE WHO'S RECEIVED THE LOVE OF GOD AND HAS A REVELATION. YOU NEED TO TURN AROUND AND START SHOWING THIS LOVE TOWARDS YOUR HUSBAND. AND ANYWAY, THE END RESULT OF IT WAS IT TOTALLY TRANSFORMED THIS MARRIAGE. SO THIS IS WHAT THIS IS TALKING ABOUT. IF YOU WERE TO HUMBLE YOURSELF AND GET TO WHERE YOU'RE MORE CONCERNED ABOUT THE OTHER PERSON THAN YOU ARE ABOUT YOURSELF, 
And if somebody does something wrong to you, you, it's not, you don't have to just ignore it and act like it didn't happen, but instead of imputing malice, anger, bitterness, you know, wickedness to this person, just go up to them and, and say, what you, know, what you did or what you said didn't bless me, but I don't know why you did it. Is there something wrong? Do you really hate me? Do you really have something against me? And if you were to approach it that way, did you know what? It would solve the vast majority of cases. I had an instance where there was a guy in our school and the very first day of class, I got up and said something about the, I don't know, the stock market. I can't remember now what I said, but I said something about the stock market. And this guy came up and he told me that he had had two um, businesses on the stock market that I forgot what they call it. But anyway, he, he put his business on the stock market and he made millions of dollars off of it. And so anyway, he was showing me that he was well-versed and he says, what you said about the stock market wasn't right. So he corrected me. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I said, I'm not, that's not my expertise. I was just making a point. The point I was making was correct. The illustration I used was incorrect. So anyway, that was fine. But then the next time I ministered, he came up and corrected me on something. And the next time I ministered, he corrected me. And I mean, after six months of him being in school, I never ministered in class without him coming up and correcting me on something. And he didn't do it just to me. He did it to every single instructor. He found something wrong every time we taught. And the truth and the fact is, he was correct. <laughs> I did say something wrong. He was right. It wasn't the fact that he was wrong in what he was saying, but it was just the fact that he always came up and pointed out something negative every single time. So after about six months of him being in school, he came up after I administered and he, he looked at me and he says, you probably don't want to see me coming, do you? And I said, no, I don't. And it kind of shocked him. And I said, look, all you ever do is point out what's wrong. You've never complimented me. You've never said that you've received anything good. All you do is look for something bad every time. And I said, I'm just tired of it. I said, I don't, I said, I don't enjoy you coming up and pointing out every single mistake. I'd, I'd use a word wrong. I'd mispronounce it. I'd quote a scripture and miss it by one verse, but he would find something to criticize me over. And anyway, he kind of went away with his tail between his legs after I said that. And that night, God showed me in a dream why he was the way he was. And it was totally different than the way I had taken it. I just took it that he was critical of me and he thought he was superior to me and, he, and it was not me, only me. He did it to every single person. And I had totally misunderstood the reason that he did it. In this dream, the Lord showed me, it was him trying to gain approval, which certainly is counterintuitive. But anyway, the next day I took him and his wife out to eat and I told him about this dream and about his father and how his father was such a perfectionist that he could never do enough good and he had to perform and always do these things and he had become an intellectual giant. He was well-versed in all of these things and the reason he was correcting and saying things was to try and, and get my approval to, so, so that I'd see how smart he was. And when I shared that with him, he broke down and started crying. He says, you know, that's exactly it. And he didn't realize it. 
AND HE DIDN'T REALIZE THAT HE WAS SO OFFENSIVE, BUT IT WAS ACTUALLY HIM TRYING TO SHOW US HOW KNOWLEDGEABLE HE WAS. IT WASN'T HIM CRITICIZING ME. AND SO, ANYWAY, MY POINT IS, SEE, THAT I SAW SOMETHING THAT WAS WRONG. IT'S WRONG TO GO UP AND JUST CRITICIZE A PERSON EVERY SINGLE TIME YOU SEE HIM AND FIND SOMETHING THAT YOU'RE GOING TO FIND WRONG AND POINT THAT OUT. SO THAT WAS WRONG. IT'S NOT WRONG FOR ME TO TAKE TO RECOGNIZE THAT THAT'S A BAD THING AND NOT TO LIKE IT, BUT IT WAS WRONG FOR ME TO JUDGE WHY HE WAS DOING IT. I THOUGHT IT WAS BECAUSE HE THOUGHT HE WAS SUPERIOR. IT WAS ACTUALLY BECAUSE HE FELT INFERIOR AND HE WAS SEEKING TO GAIN MY APPROVAL. AND WHEN WE DISCUSSED THIS, IT CHANGED EVERYTHING, AND WE BECAME GREAT FRIENDS AFTER THAT. IT HELPED HIM AND IT HELPED ME. THIS IS WHAT THESE VERSES ARE TALKING ABOUT. AND YOU KNOW WHAT THE KEY TO ALL OF THIS IS? IT'S HUMILITY. INSTEAD OF YOU JUST AUTOMATICALLY JUDGING A PERSON AND and JUMPING TO THE CONCLUSION OF WHY THEY DID SOMETHING, YOU DON'T KNOW WHY PEOPLE DO THINGS. AND SO YOU JUST HUMBLE YOURSELF. AND INSTEAD OF GOING WITH BOTH OF YOUR SWORDS DRAWN AND READY TO CHOP OFF SOMEBODY'S HEAD BECAUSE YOU'VE ALREADY JUDGED THE SITUATION AND YOU KNOW WHY THEY DID IT, JUST GO TO THEM AND SAY, LOOK, HERE'S WHAT HAPPENED AND IT DIDN'T BLESS ME, BUT I DON'T KNOW WHY YOU DID WHAT YOU DID. WHAT'S GOING ON? DO YOU HAVE SOMETHING AGAINST ME? OR AGAIN, I BELIEVE IF YOU WERE TO APPROACH IT THAT WAY, YOU WOULD FIND OUT THE MAJORITY OF THE TIME PEOPLE JUST SAY THINGS THAT THEY DON'T MEAN AND IT WASN'T MALICIOUS. AND SOMETIMES, IF THEY WERE MALICIOUS, THE FACT THAT YOU'VE HUMBLED YOURSELF WILL CAUSE THEM TO HUMBLE THEMSELVES. IF YOU GO TO A PERSON AND YOU SAY, WELL, BOTH OF US WERE WRONG. WE SHOULDN'T HAVE DONE THIS, BUT I WAS WRONG, BUT YOU SHOULDN'T HAVE STARTED IT. SEE, THE MOMENT YOU DO THAT, YOU PUT THAT PERSON ON THE DEFENSE. INSTEAD, IF YOU GO AND YOU SAY, LOOK, I WAS WRONG IN JUDGING YOU AND THE WAY I RESPONDED TO THIS. PLEASE FORGIVE ME. AND MAYBE THEY WERE 90% WRONG AND YOU WERE 10% WRONG, BUT DON'T MENTION THAT. JUST SAY, JUST, YOU KNOW, ONLY ASK FORGIVENESS FOR WHAT YOU DID. YOU DON'T HAVE AUTHORITY TO ASK FORGIVENESS FOR THEM. SO IF YOU WOULD GO AND SAY, LOOK, I'M SORRY, I'M WRONG, AND IN YOUR MIND YOU'RE SLINGING, WELL, I WASN'T THE ONLY ONE WRONG, BUT I'M THE ONLY ONE THAT CAN APOLOGIZE FOR ME. SO YOU SAY, I'M WRONG, AND IF YOU HUMBLE YOURSELF, I'VE DONE THIS BEFORE, AND I CAN GUARANTEE YOU 90% OF THE TIME OR MORE, THAT OTHER PERSON, WHEN THEY SEE YOU HUMBLE YOURSELF AND MAKE YOURSELF VULNERABLE TO THEIR CRITICISM, THEY WILL HUMBLE THEMSELVES AND SAY, WELL, IT WASN'T JUST YOU, IT WAS ALSO ME. DID YOU KNOW, I BELIEVE THAT THE VAST MAJORITY, 90-SOMETHING PERCENT OF ALL PROBLEMS BETWEEN PEOPLE COULD BE WORKED OUT IF WE JUST HUMBLED OURSELVES LIKE THIS. AND IF WE QUIT JUDGING AND MAKING THESE JUDGMENTS BASED ON JUST OUR OWN THINKING AND WE IMPUTE SIN AND ERROR TO THESE PEOPLE INSTEAD, IF YOU JUST HUMBLED YOURSELF AND QUIT JUDGING AND YOU DEALT WITH YOURSELF, YOU GO AND CONFESS YOUR MISTAKE. YOU TAKE THE BEAM OUT OF YOUR EYE BEFORE YOU TRY AND DEAL WITH THAT LITTLE TINY SPECK IN SOMEBODY ELSE'S EYE. SEE, IF WE WOULD OPERATE IN HUMILITY, IT NOT ONLY GRANTS US FAVOR WITH GOD, MORE GRACE, HE GIVES GRACE TO THE HUMBLE, BUT IT WILL GRANT YOU FAVOR WITH PEOPLE, TOO. WHEN YOU HUMBLE YOURSELF, IT WORKS WITH GOD AND WITH MEN. WELCOME TO THE AWM MINUTE, A QUICK LOOK AT HOW YOUR SUPPORT IS RAISING UP DISCIPLES WHO ARE BRINGING THE MESSAGE OF GOD'S LOVE AND GRACE AROUND THE WORLD. DISCIPLES LIKE MICKEY AND SUSAN CARTAGENA. SUSAN CAME TO CARIS IN A TIME OF CRISIS AFTER HER HUSBAND OF 35 YEARS DIVORCED HER. As she sat under the word at Karis, God healed the pains of her past and renewed her vision for the future. 
Andrew one day gave me a word and he said that the second half of your life is going to be better than the first half. After graduating, Susan got married to Mickey, a fellow student, and together they now minister in Columbia, teaching the same truths that set them free. Thank you, friends and partners, for providing a place where people like Susan can get a renewed vision for their life and then go out and share it with others. To see their full story, visit awmi.net today. I'd like to invite you to join me on September the 28th through October the 2nd in Woodbridge, Virginia, and I'm going to be there with Randy Clark for the Voice of the Apostles event. This will be my first time to be a part of it. We had Randy at our facility here in Woodland Park, and I tell you, God touched a lot of people's lives through him. I'm excited to be a part of their event. I encourage you to come and join us and get ready to be blessed. So I started doing Paris Bible College online while I was living in Mexico as a missionary. And it was just so amazing being able to do it at home you know, with young children. We live in a very remote area. My husband and I would um, download the classes into our phones. The online classes are absolutely awesome. You're getting ministered to. You're learning how to minister to other people. It is your biggest return on investment. Bring Keras with you wherever you go with our new Keras app. Free to download, the Keras app allows you to easily access everything Keras Bible College has to offer in one place. Receive exclusive grace content and explore unique Keras features. Watch or listen to archived resources and teachings. Follow along with the Bible reading plan or listen to the audio Bible. Download your app today. Many of you know that we have built a 1,022 space parking garage to accommodate all of our people that come to our facilities in Woodland Park. And it was at a $23 million cost. And we are trying to get that paid off as quickly as we can. Well, I felt like the Lord spoke to me about encouraging 23,000 people to give a $1,000 offering, either a one-time gift or pledged out over a period of 10 months, $100 per month. If you would like to be a part of that, I encourage you to call or write, go to our website and join our 1K Club. Andrew's teaching, More Grace, More Favor, is available as a brand new book or as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources are available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Or you can get the More Grace, More Favor package, which includes the book and your choice of either the CD or DVD album. This package has a catalog value of $50, but you can receive all of these valuable resources today for just $35. Also today, Andrew has a bonus offer you can request the Self-Centeredness, The Source of All Grief booklet for free when you order either the book, CD, or DVD album from Andrew's new teaching, More Grace, More Favor. The free booklet is limited to one free per household and is only available in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these teachings. Or you can call our helpline 24 hours a day, five days a week, 
Monday through Friday at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. I want to let you know that we have now started a Karis Daily Live Bible Study. We've been doing a Bible study every Tuesday night live for about two years, but now we have five days a week. We've varied the times so that we can accommodate anybody's schedule, and it's going to really be good. We're going to use our instructors from the school, and it'll be a blessing. So remember, we now have a Karis Daily Live Bible Study five days a week.